God, help us to be attentive. Help us to set aside the things that distract, that weigh on us, that pull us aside. Help us to be attentive to you and to your word, to uh, the things that you would have us know, learn, appropriate, and become. Give us uh, ears that can hear, eyes that can see, hearts that are good and fertile soil. I pray and ask that as my words are consistent and true to your word, that they be taken to heart. If in any way my words are not, may they not even be heard. We pray in Jesus. Amen. Reading now from the first chapter of uh, the book of Ephesians, Paul, the Apostle Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus and also into the, uh, the cities, the churches in the cities around Ephesus in Asia, Asia Minor in the first century. Listen closely, really closely. This is the word of God. Paul writes, verse three. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. In accordance with his pleasure and will, his delight, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves, Jesus. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, In accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished upon us, with all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth and under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we who are the first to put our hope in Christ, only the first, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, again, to the praise of his glory. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know, so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, know the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people, and that you may know his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under Jesus' feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Amen. And is that a long passage or what? And in the Greek, that whole 20 or so verses is two sentences. Just two long sentences where Paul is so incredibly excited, ecstatic, that he just can't stop. 
And so he doesn't take a break with his pen and he writes and writes and writes and writes and writes. Two long sentences. He barely took a breath. And there's so much there that we could dig into. We've only got a few minutes left this morning. We could spend weeks in this section alone though. In the few minutes we have though, I want to spend talking about what Paul calls God's incomparably great power for us who believe. In our world and in our common language, the term power might connote political power, legal power, physical power, moral power, relational power, electrical power, hydraulic power, sun power, solar power, wind power, nuclear power, or the power of a crying baby. There are lots of kinds of power. But clearly the Apostle Paul is talking about something altogether different than all of these and yet in some way even more, more powerful in and for and about the person, us, than all of these. He writes, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably, not comparable to any of those other powers, his incomparably great power for us who believe. And then Paul writes, the power, that power, is the same as the mighty strength God exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. This power exerted, exhibited in Jesus' resurrection by God is more powerful than all of the powers that we have witnessed, all of the powers that we have seen, all of the powers that have ever been. And Paul here in the Greek piles word upon word upon word in the Greek language, meaning power, exhausting the Greek language with these synonyms. Dunamis, which denotes the ability to accomplish something. Iskus, which is the exercise of power. Kratos, which is the power to overcome something that stands in one's way. Energeia, which is an inherent strength or power within oneself. And this power is not about climbing a ladder or accumulating great wealth or getting our way or getting what we want necessarily. It's not about appropriating control and becoming controlling people. It may not even be about a power that will heal us from some disease. In other words, miraculous powers. But this power does seem to be about making us part of God's family. And imagine what kind of power it would require to do that, to make us a part of God's family, to arrange for our adoption, to unite us to God, about forgiving our sins, about giving us a purpose, verse nine, about sealing our salvation with the Holy Spirit for eternity. What else do you have that you can count on for eternity? About blessing us with wisdom, about opening our eyes, about filling us with hope. But how do we know and how can we be certain that this power is for real and that this power is dependable? Paul says in verses 19 and 20 that we know that we can know that God has given to us and to the world a public, because God has given to us this public demonstration of power when God raised Jesus from the dead. That power is the same power as the mighty strength God exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. That power that we can't see 2,000 years ago, dead, decaying, empty grave, 
alive again, more than reconstituted, resurrected, witnessed the basis on which the entire church history, this building, your being here, our faith, every good and great thing that has ever happened in the name of Christ is based, the resurrection of Jesus. And if God could raise someone from the dead, if God has the power to make a human body alive that for three days had experienced decay, and if God declares that that power of his is for us, Paul says, then all sorts of things are possible. Say that with me and say that together. All things are possible. Do you believe it? All things are possible. I'm not saying that you're going to receive magic powers this morning or on your way out of here. I'm not saying that everything you wish or hope for or pray for, you will get, which is a good thing for most of us. I'm affirming that what God declared through prophets like Jeremiah and Ezekiel, that God intends to give his people new hearts and new, new spirits, that God intends to take from us hearts of stone and give us hearts of flesh, that these things are true, that there's a power that is at work and can be at work in us and for us. Paul wrote to the Romans, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. It starts even in our minds. Paul wrote to the often conflicted Corinthians and often in turmoil and often mired in immorality of many sorts. If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away or is passing away. Behold, the new has come or is coming. God loves us just the way we are, but he also loves us enough to not leave us just as we are. God has more in store for us. Again, a life defined by and shaped by his kingdom of love and righteousness and justice and goodness and mercy. I was speaking with someone whom many of you know a couple of weeks ago about, about an experience she just had that day before. Essentially being mugged and having taken from herself, from her person, possessions that were dear to her. And as I listened to her dramatic and traumatic story, I was surprised when she got to the end and said, and I prayed for that person. Essentially, I asked God to forgive that person and she wished that other person, 24 hours later, wished that person well. Where does that kind of power come from? There happen to be a number of recovering alcoholics in my life right now for whom I'm thankful and by whose testimonies I am continually encouraged. And I am amazed that the, at the power that has been exhibited in their lives, a power to overcome addiction and years of deeply ingrained patterns of behavior that in some cases go back to failures or deep-seated fears or abuse or abandonment. And their testimonies are all the more remarkable because as the first step of AA's 12 steps declares, they admitted that they themselves were powerless over alcohol, that their lives had become unmanageable. However, the second step of AA declares a belief in, quote, a power greater than ourselves, that or who could and can restore us to sanity. Where's the amen? amen? I don't know if you saw in the news yesterday, Anthony Hopkins kind of telling his story about how in his early life and in his early work as an actor, he was re regarded regularly as someone, quote, who was very difficult to work with. 
And then 40 years ago, he went to an AA meeting, dealt with his alcoholism. He says, by the power of God, which completely transformed his life and continually has. At one point, I was an extremely difficult person to work with. Now I'm only a mildly difficult person to work with. (laughs) There is a power at work in us as we allow God to work in us, as we partner with God who is power. We talked last spring about Gordon Fee's definition of Holy Spirit, God's empowering presence, his empowering presence presence. In the words of R.C. Sproul on the cover of our bulletins this morning, God is intangible and invisible, but his work is more powerful than the most ferocious wind. The spirit brings order out of chaos and beauty out of ugliness. He can transform a sin-blistered man into a paragon of virtue. The spirit changes people. The author of life is also the transformer of life. The invisible God who created us and everyone else and everything else, as is obvious, is powerful. We can see from creation. And God uses that power not only to make, bara, create, but also to transform people, to bring about change, redemption, wholeness, maturity, joy, life, none of which we see from experience we can do very well on our own. As Dallas Willard says, human beings have only some small element of spirit, which he defines as unbodily personal power. You remember when we've talked about Holy Spirit in the spring, unbodily personal power. And Willard says, we have just a little bit of that in that we too are spirits. Right at the center of who they are, who we are, and who we become. But when that small element of power meshes with the much greater power inherent in the infinite rule of the kingdom of God, a power conveyed through a personal relationship with the creator of all things, then a whole new world of possibilities opens up. More specifically, prayer is God's arrangement for a safe power sharing with us in his intention to bless the world through us. In response to prayer, we see good accomplished far beyond what we are capable of and in a form suited to the wisdom of God, not just to what we think we know about the situation we are praying for, but what God desires. There's a power available to us and around us in a kingdom that Jesus said at the beginning of his ministry he was ushering in and welcoming us into. Much of the church has yet to embrace or step into that kingdom. And now we talk about meeting Christ and knowing Christ in communion in the Lord's Supper, in this great eschatological feast to which we are all invited. And it's true that in some mysterious ways we meet Christ Jesus at and in this table. He meets us there in this meal. 
And there is, as we experience this mysterious communion or fellowship or togetherness or oneness or relationship when and as we eat and drink together in his name and in this way. Moreover, we are reminded as we come and as we hear Jesus say, this is my body, this is my blood, and as we eat and drink, we are reminded of God's forgiveness of us on the cross, which Paul talks about back in verse seven, maybe. We are reminded that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We are reminded that we have been reconciled to God in Christ for good. We are reminded that we have been forgiven. But there is more to God's power according to the scriptures, according to Paul, than just that. There is more to God's power than just forgiving sin. By more than just being declared righteous. In fact, the theologians see in Jesus' crucifixion weakness, not power. But they see in Jesus' resurrection power. And Paul tells us that that same power that God exerted and that God exhibited in Jesus' resurrection is available to us because God declares that in fact it is for us. And it is not only for our resurrection one day, but it is also for our transformation today. I hope that sinks in. That God's power for us is not only for our resurrection one day, which it is, but it is also, the scriptures say, for our transformation today. At the Lord's table, we're reminded that not only are we forgiven, but that we are also given power to forgive others. And that requires power. If you have ever been faced with the challenge of forgiving, and we all have. And the power to give generously, which we have all felt a lack of at times, but hopefully have also felt the power to give generously. To give generously, to act selflessly, to live sacrificially. A power that enables us, empowers us, strengthens us to serve other people wholeheartedly. A power to smile in the face of fear. A power to speak truth and grace in the face of threats, a power to love one's enemies, a power to tell the truth, a power to confess one's sin even when it hurts, a power to overcome temptation. This same power that raised Jesus from the grave and which we celebrate at this table, Paul declares is available to us. May we be receptive, may we open our arms, may we open our hearts, may we call on the name of the Lord. And may we believe in him and trust in him in and through prayer. Let's pray. There are lots of things that we know, God, uh, lots of things that we do not know, some things of which we're certain, other things about which and around which we lack certainty. 
We know the power by which Jesus was raised from the grave. We believe. We have seen evidence. And we have seen evidence of your power in others around us. And at times have experienced your power. We ask that through your means of grace, through this table, through the church, through your word, through your calling to us, through the example of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus, through a grace-empowered obedience to the disciplines of Jesus, that you would fill us with a power not commonly known on earth, that you would empower your people through your spirit, that you would give us joy in that and by that empowered people, your kingdom might come. Today and tomorrow and the next day in San Mateo and the United States and in Zambia and to the ends of the earth. Bring it about, we ask, and as much as it's up to us, we make ourselves open, receptible, and malleable in your hands. We pray in Christ the Lord. Amen.